0: Hello, market meditators, and welcome to your daily market briefing, short, snappy, no BS, 10 minute daily updates about the crypto markets delivered to you by me, Kim. For some time now, there has been a serious threat of a huge economic crash. More recently, we've also had fresh news come in to suggest that crash is even more likely to happen. If that crash were to materialize, it would have huge events for the crypto markets, for the traditional markets, and even for your average person wherever they may live in the world. I'm gonna tell you exactly what that big risk and that economic crash that may be coming up is. I'm going to tell you why it's coming up, how we got to this situation in the first place, and perhaps most importantly, why you as an investor should care about this. Make sure to stick around until the end of the video to hear about that. There is a lot of talk about various risks in the market, specifically to do with the US, and this event that I'm going to tell you about is very often ignored, and it shouldn't be. Everyone should be aware of it. Before we get to the end, we're going to just remind ourselves of what is going on with the BTC, ETH and altcoin charts, because we never want to lose sight of those. And we're also going to look at the top three headlines in the news today, going to cover really important and trending events that are happening in the markets today. And once we've done all that, we will go on to the upcoming economic crash and what it will mean. BTC 24 hour price action continues to be pretty rocky without much significant upward or, to be fair, downward progress either. As I pointed out at the beginning of this week, it was likely that we were going to see trading conditions be pretty crabbish or pretty flat until tomorrow, Friday. Tomorrow is significant because it is the Jackson Hall Symposium and Jerome Powell is due to speak at this event about the current state of the economic market. Every single investor out there with any position in a trade will be analysing what Jerome Powell has to say tomorrow to try and get clues as to whether at the next FOMC meeting the Fed is going to decide on a 75 or 50 basis point hike. 75 is a lot more aggressive and it will be a lot worse for risk assets like bitcoin. So crypto investors and traders are going to be hoping for more dovish statements tomorrow or statements that suggest that 50 basis point hike is more likely to materialize. Now, if the markets are nervously waiting for what is happening tomorrow, you might wonder why ethereum on the 1-day chart has been making some significant upward price movement. That's because there are bespoke unique factors at play for Ethereum which aren't at play for Bitcoin and other altcoins. That is of course the Ethereum merge. We've had some good news coming about the Ethereum merge. We'll cover that in the top three headlines section of this call. But do remember that it's not so unpredictable right now to see Ethereum outperform BTC because of that specific merge narrative. Overall altcoins are trading pretty in the green today whilst BTC has been pretty neutral it is slightly up on the day and of course Ethereum is up comparatively more and this has given altcoins a little bit of room to breathe or run. Notably, meme coins like Dogecoin have outperformed up 5% on the 24 hour. A more dovish statement at the Jackson Hole Symposium tomorrow by Jerome Powell might really help altcoins run if that does materialize. We now head over to our top three headlines in the market until we talk about the upcoming huge economic crash. Our first top headline is going to take a look at Ethereum. Ethereum has had hiccups as far as the merge is concerned. At times, it looked like it would never happen. With so many delays, it seemed that it would be easier to believe once it happened. Well, pending any issues, big if, the Ethereum Foundation announced yesterday that the long-awaited merge is set to commence on September the 6th. So this might help explain why Ethereum has been performing strongly on the daily. Let's take a closer look at the timeline. The Bellatrix upgrade is set to activate on September the 6th. This upgrade is responsible for setting the rest of the merge process in motion. The merge itself will be completed at some point throughout September 10th to 20th. As a reminder, this merge is, essentially, an upgrade that will transition the blockchain from proof of work to proof of stake. One goal regarding this transition is to reduce the blockchain's energy consumption. Throughout the period of September 10th to 20th, the difficulty level will be increased to the point where proof-of-work crypto mining will no longer be possible. There was a bug that was going to delay the merge, but it appears developers were able to provide a fix and the patch bug after only one day. The merge will come after a series of practice runs that tested the transitions on multiple test network environments, so we can only hope for the best. So a good update here for Ethereum, which has been reflected on the one-day price chart, which we just discussed. Top headline number two takes a look at the world of altcoins. The $74 million plan by two former Uniswap Lab executives for a new Uniswap foundation has just become reality after their proposal received over 99% of the votes from Uniswap holders. According to the initial proposal, the foundation aims to streamline Uniswap's grant program, the UFBPG, and reduce friction in the protocol's governance system. Former Uniswap Labs executive Devin Walsh, now serving as executive director of UF, shared the results in a tweet on Wednesday, noting that the proposal to create the foundation passed its final vote. So a good update for Ethereum, which we looked at previously, and now a good update for Uniswap as well. Time for top headline number three. So, Tornado Cash, the decentralized cryptocurrency mixer, has created a whirlwind of controversy since being targeted by the OFAC. The OFAC's initial actions meant that any US entity or person could no longer interact with the protocol. The drama continued when police arrested Alexey Pertsev, the protocol's developer. Pertsev's arrest was followed by severe backlash and protests from those who believed it set a dangerous precedent for cryptocurrency and censorship. A court hearing in the Netherlands on August 24th ruled out that Pertsev would have to be retained for an extra 90 days after the judge rejected to grant the defendant bail. Tether's announcement concluded that other stablecoin providers such as Circle may have jeopardized the work of law enforcement by prematurely freezing funds. The story of tornado crash has widespread implications for regulating the entire crypto market but should set clearer guidelines for developers. Top headline three is done meaning we are now ready to talk about the huge upcoming economic crash. If you are a regular reader of the news you'll know that today's event that we're going to talk about is of course the potential of the collapse of the Chinese economy. We'll begin with why it looks like the economy is looking like it's going to collapse, and then we're gonna talk about how it will impact you as a crypto investor. Recent Chinese data results is what has caused a lot of panic about the Chinese economy crashing. Retail sales, industrial output, and investment all slowed and missed economists' estimates in July. For example, Chinese retail sales rose 2.7% in the year to July, far short of Alice's forecasts of 5%. The People's Bank of China cut its rate on a one-year loan to 2.75% from 2.85% and injected an extra 400 billion won, about $60 billion, in lending markets after government data showed exactly how weak July data is. Unfortunately, however, these data results might be reflective of a much deeper issue and a simple bit of expansionary monetary policy by the government might not cut it. Let's take a little bit of a journey through time here. China is one of the fastest growing economies in the entire world. It was even projected that by 2028, China would become the largest economy in the world, surpassing the United States. So how did China get here in the first place? In the 1990s, China started to offer cheap labor. This was well appreciated by the rest of the world since they all started manufacturing their products in China. Pick up most household objects, flip them round, and you'll see a lot of them have been made in China. Billions of dollars started flowing in, and therefore China's economy is now about 11 times larger than it was in 2001. Very observably, China's economy was growing faster than any other nation ever creating a lot of conflict with certain superpowers like the US. Unfortunately, some of the methods that facilitated that growth were not the most sustainable. For example, buying billions of their own currency to devalue it so that it would become more attractive to trade with them and, perhaps most importantly for today's conversation, real estate. Real estate represents a whopping 30% of China's GDP and it's been one of the fastest growing sectors of the Chinese economy. To put some numbers into this, from 2001 to 2017, Chinese real estate prices soared by 700%. In fact, for many Chinese investors, real estate was considered one of the safest investments you could make. Here's the critical component. Large developers actually took advantage of all the enthusiasm by selling pre-built units that didn't even exist yet With the enthusiasm and assumption that they would be worth a lot more in the future by the time they were eventually complete. This meant that citizens were buying into completely vacant cities as a way to store wealth and excessive demand meant that there was very little oversight to ensure that all of these properties were actually being built. In a market that's constantly going up, this wouldn't be an immediate issue because developers could always raise more capital by selling even more pre-built units. Fast forward to today and these pre-built units are quite literally being destroyed on purpose and are falling down like dominoes. That is the current state of China's real estate market. Chinese citizens, of course, are feeling quite ripped off by these pre-built projects and Chinese consumer confidence is at its lowest point of all time. In more than 100 cities across China, hundreds of thousands of Chinese homeowners are banding together and refusing to repay loans on unfinished properties. One of the most widespread acts of public defiance in a country where even minor protests are squashed right down. Putting the state of the real estate market to one side, don't forget, of course, that China was one of the worst hit countries in terms of COVID. COVID also meant that sales and demand have been plummeting and slowing right down. All of this has materialized in what looks like a massive debt bubble. To understand how big the debt bubble in China is, consider some house price to income ratios. In the US, the average home price to income ratio is about 4.7x, meaning that if you make $50,000 per year, you could get approved for a loan on a house worth more than $235,000. In Shanghai and Beijing, those multiples are closer to 50x, meaning if you make $50,000 per year, you could get approved for a loan on a house worth $2.5 million. That is completely crazy. And a lot of this is really reminiscent of what we saw happening in 2008 with some of the derivatives that were coming up on mortgage products. So real estate crisis, collapse of consumer confidence due to real estate crisis and COVID pressures, and China's economy is looking like it's in serious trouble you're probably thinking, why do I care? Why does any of this matter to me? And that's exactly what we're going to look at now. I see five key ways in which this will impact investors. The first reason it may impact you as an investor is because China has some of the most wealthiest institutional investors out there. These institutional investors make large international investments. This could be in stocks and shares. So if you hold any stocks and shares or S&P 500 type assets you could see an experience declines through this and of course a lot of Chinese institutional investors will have positions in the cryptocurrency markets in projects in asset classes in protocols and if they are hit with lower revenue and lower income numbers of course we will see their investments withdrawn from these projects, assets, et cetera, and they will all face a depreciation in price consequently. Reason number two is reduction in exports and trade. China is one of the biggest traders and exporters in the entire world. If they are facing issues in their economy, exports and trade will reduce, and this will create a lot more risk and nervousness in the market. Remember, as we always say on these calls, a more risk off tone or sentiment is damaging for crypto because that is a risk on asset. The third way in which this might impact you as an investor is through a Europe and US recession. China, of course, is a huge economy, meaning troubles in the Chinese economy will be felt elsewhere through reasons like the top two just mentioned and others. What this means is that the US and European economies, which are already struggling, which are already on a very fine line on the brink of recession, might therefore tip into recession. This could be that tipping point for the US and Europe economies. Of course, this will further exacerbate that risk off sentiment that is so damaging to crypto and the Bitcoin markets. The fourth way you might be impacted is through a reduction in global demand. China has one of the biggest populations in the world. The individuals there are of course very wealthy and everything from demand for Apple iPhones to luxury goods will see a hit, further exacerbating that risk of sentiment. Reason number five that you might be impacted by all this as a crypto investor is the risk of war. Recall that the Ukraine and Russia war created a lot of pressure on Bitcoin crypto equity prices. Again, it creates a risk-off environment where there's uncertainty and people are more likely to want safe haven assets like government bonds than they are to want risky volatile assets like crypto and equities and tech. When an economy is struggling, the government often resorts to distractions to ease public anger or resentment towards the government and retarget it elsewhere. In other words, the government is more likely to conduct distracting foreign policy to compensate for damaging economic circumstances. When it comes to China, unfortunately, the most recent and perhaps obvious example that comes to mind is Taiwan. If you were listening to the call we had a few weeks ago when the Taiwan event was making the news with china's aggressive stances towards taiwan you'll recall that we mentioned this may indeed just be an example of distracting foreign policy and that seems to have come true actually now that we've seen the data points come through suggesting just how bad the state of the current chinese economy is of course the risk of war and aggressive foreign policy is not the kind of conditions that is going to create the safety that crypto investors may want if they were to take a more aggressive Bitcoin position and therefore lead to price appreciation and more demand. Of course what is going on with the Chinese economy is a very important event that we should all have our eyes on and hopefully through this call you've gotten a bit more insight into what's going on and how you might be impacted but of course as we've been saying for the whole week what's really going to be important is what happens at the Jackson Hole Symposium tomorrow. Thank you to everyone who has been listening to this call and we will speak again tomorrow on that very important important day. If you want to get the updates, make sure to subscribe. Thank you. Goodbye for now.